0: In these winter months, consider tripinsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from tripinsurance.com. Here we go! Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. (laughs) This is Cruise Radio.
1: Hey there, my name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Gotta tell you, loving your emails. You can always email me, doug at cruiseradio.net. Loving your feedback, loving your thoughts, loving your reviews. Keep them coming. I answer every single email. So once again, thank you so much for all of your kind feedback. Don't forget to check out our Facebook group, Cruise Radio News. Just type in Cruise Radio News in Facebook and I'll come join the cruise conversation there. Also, our new show, River Cruise Radio, yeah, you can find it the same way that you listen to this show, either on iTunes, Stitcher Radio Network, or TuneIn Radio Network, or you could always listen to it on our website, rivercruiseradio.net. All right, so we get a lot of questions here on the show, and of course, I always can't answer all of them, and when I can't, I'll bring in an expert like Sherry from cruisetipstv.com. She joins us on the line. How you doing, Sherry?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah. So uh, we're going to just dive right in here. And uh, our first question says, why book a guaranteed cabin? Now, before we get to why book it, tell us what a guaranteed cabin is.
2: Well, a guaranteed cabin is when you allow the cruise line to choose the cabin for you. So you pick the category and you let them pick the location at the last minute what's the benefit of
1: booking a cabin like this?
2: Well, if you're the gambling type, sometimes you can save money by booking a guarantee cabin. That would be the number one benefit. And if you're really super lucky, if someone's sprinkling the fairy dust over Mm -hmm. your cruise booking, you could potentially score an upgrade to a better cabin within the category you booked or even to a higher cabin category. Like maybe you could go from an outside cabin to a balcony, for example. But of course, there's no guarantee of that. So you really have to make sure that the discount is worth the risk. You know, you want this to be quite a bit cheaper, like hundreds of dollars cheaper, hopefully, so that you know the price justifies the gamble here.
1: Yeah, I was. It was a couple of years ago, and I booked a. I think the, the small cabins on the carnival ships are called one A, and I booked a guaranteed one A cabin. And when I got there, I got a deluxe ocean view. It was a G two I cabin. I'm like, oh. yes talking about the guaranteed cabin, sometimes we'll find uh, price drops with a guaranteed cabin. Do you have any tips for that?
2: Definitely. I would actually prefer to book the cabin that I like and watch for a price drop later because, you know, guaranteed cabins are really best for people who are super flexible and are willing to gamble on what cabin you'll end up with. You know, also, if you're not going to spend a lot of time in your cabin and you just don't care, that could work too. But, if you think about what a guarantee cabin is, it's really just what's left over after everybody else chooses their cabin. So you could end up near an elevator, you could end up in a noisy spot, maybe over an anchor or near a tender or something that you don't care for. So I'm more of a fan of booking in the category you want and then just watching for those price drops or letting your travel agent watch for you.
1: Yeah, so moral of the story, if you don't care where you are as long as you're on the ship, it might be a good idea just to book a guaranteed cabin. You'll save more money that way. If you're very picky where you want to be, you want to be by the stairwell or want to be by the elevator, then book far in advance and book a guaranteed cabin, correct?
2: Yeah, I think that's good advice, and you'll notice some cruise lines offer very different prices for – guarantee cabins and some are just no different in fact i was on carnival's website a few days ago and i noticed that their guarantee cabin price for an inside for example was exactly the same as the choose your own type so make sure that the cost benefit ratio is there for you all
1: right our next question says how do i avoid roaming charges at sea if i have an android or iphone
2: Well, the best way to protect yourself from roaming charges is just to pop your phone in airplane mode right after the muster drill. That's my habit. That's the way I do it. Now, if you're going to be using the ship's Wi-Fi, you'll likely start by putting the phone in airplane mode anyway. So it's a good habit to do that. But as soon as you sail away, your phone is going to go into roaming mode. So that's probably the first place to start. The second thing you can do is depending on where your cruise is headed, it's really smart just to get on the phone with your cell phone provider before you sail, because they may be able to offer you discounted data, text, and maybe even calling charges from foreign countries. So you can switch your phone back into regular mode while in port and take advantage of that. And they might even have a special cruise ship plan that you can buy, but just don't expect it to be too cheap. They definitely aren't going to be you know, rock bottom prices, but There's no doubt that that will be cheaper than those roaming fees.
1: Have you ever had any surprise cell phone bills coming home from a cruise?
2: No, because I'm one of those paranoid (laughs) people that goes, I go hardcore in the airplane mode. I just don't want to take any risks. Yeah.
1: So when I got my first iPhone back in 2007 or 8. I was on a cruise, a three-night cruise with some buddies. I got back and my cell phone bill was $586. No. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? So it turns out Uh. I wasn't using my phone, but I had the background refresh on. And so it was doing like background updating and pulling down email and all that stuff while it was on cellular at C-Network. So I was getting charged like some ungodly amount, like $20 a meg for data the whole entire cruise. And so I call AT&T and I'm like, I just got this phone. I have no clue what I'm doing. I can't afford this, blah, blah, blah. So they wound up chopping it like. Uh, in half, but still, yeah, very good. Uh, very mm-hmm. good lesson learned there. Uh, next question yeah. says, um, why should I book my next cruise on board?
2: Well, lots of cruise lines like princess, for example, offer special reduced deposit offers and extra onboard credit that you can only secure on board. And the best part about it is they usually throw in some onboard credit too. And it's really Doug, it really is a no strings attached type of a perk. On some cruise lines, you don't even need to, you know, choose the date that you'll cruise. They'll leave it totally open-ended for you and let you transfer it even on return to your travel agent. So you can even combine it with future promotions. You just want to watch to make sure that that onboard booking credit doesn't expire too quickly. So, you know, if you can't jump back on a cruise line within two years and you're putting down a deposit, that may not be such a good idea. But usually they give you about two years to book it, so it's not an issue. Are these the same things that
1: they call a future cruise credit? Yes, absolutely. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, got gotcha. you. Now, what's the most you've seen offered?
2: I've seen up to about three hundred dollars. Now, usually those are for really long voyages, so mm-hmm. they range generally from about fifty to three hundred dollars. And when we book a balcony, generally with Princess, that's where I have the most experience with this. We usually end up with about. One to two hundred dollars credit for the stateroom.
1: Oh, that's not bad at all. It's worth it. Yeah, free money for booking your cruise on board. Um, okay, right. so let's move on to the next one here. I'm asking this next question selfishly because it impacts me so much every single sailing, and that is, how can I avoid gaining weight on my cruise? I take the stairs. I do everything that people say. I still gain weight. Any ideas?
2: Oh, I totally cracked up when I saw this, and I thought of you because I'm mm-hmm. always hearing you talk about your six Guys burgers yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you love to eat on board and who doesn't I mean of course but will you gain weight well not necessarily I mean we all know that cruises are famous for offering something to eat around every corner but the reality is the ships are huge too so if you choose to walk a lot and if we're like you and we take the stairs and skip the elevators you might find that you go home in better shape than when you came but it depends on the choices you make I mean, for me, the longer the cruise, the more I kind of relax into it and tend to splurge on things. We go to afternoon tea and we have scones. You have an afternoon slice of pizza because swimming really got you hungry. But, you know, the reality is there's tons of good food choices on board too. So you can really eat healthy. We've recently tried to challenge ourselves to make more healthy choices on board because I don't really want to pack on two pounds every time I cruise. I mean, if we're going at that rate, that's going to be a problem. I'm five feet tall. Can't do that. So... I think that the thing you really have to watch, though, when you cruise, it's the drinking. Um, I'm not going to have a 10 a.m. Bloody Mary at home, but we do these types of things on the cruise, and it just really adds up. So, you know, you can look for those salad bars. You can look for the healthy choices. You can even go with... Gourmet choices that are really healthy on a cruise. I kind of look at it as a fun challenge
1: Did I read somewhere that you try to get in 20,000 steps a day?
2: Yeah, I tried on my last cruise We did a no weight gain challenge and I tried to do 20,000 a day. It didn't actually work I only got up to about 19,000 on my best day, but what was happening is I was taking off my um, my uh, Garmin, my little you know step counter, when I would go swimming mm-hmm. or do something in the water. So for three or four hours a day, all of that activity wasn't being accounted for. But I walked twenty six miles in four days. So I think we <laughs> still did oh, <laughs> we still did okay.
1: That's not bad for a fantasy class ship.
2: Not bad, but that is part of the problem, too. They're smaller ships, so you don't walk as much.
1: Very last question we have. How inclusive are cruise itineraries?
2: I don't really like to refer to cruises as all-inclusive because I think people always think about resort vacation all-inclusive. So it's not apples to apples. You know, when you think of resort all-inclusive, you think your alcohol is going to be included. So let's just say that they're relatively inclusive, meaning you're going to get more out of a cruise vacation than a basic hotel vacation where you have to pay for everything from your hotel room to your meals and entertainment, your shows, all of that. But again, unlike an inclusive resort, you're not going to get free alcoholic drinks. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking about the mass market cruise lines, most of the lines offer the same stuff. So the included things are going to be the cruise itself, right, the transportation, your room, the food in the main dining room and buffet, and basic beverages, water, lemonade, iced tea, coffee, and the onboard activities. And then, of course, the not-so-included things tend to be the same across the lines unless you've booked one of those special perk deals. So the not-so-free stuff, gratuities, alcohol, most of the shore excursions and activities and of course you know your your parking and your travel to and from the ship
1: yeah you know what people always say oh my gosh that's so expensive but when you break it down like so i'm in florida so we always do disney world a lot and you know when you when you count in like Three nights on property at Disney, that's like four or five hundred dollars. You figure park tickets for two people for a couple of days, that's four hundred dollars. Dining, two hundred. If you go to a bar or a nightclub and have a few drinks, that's a hundred. you're talking over a thousand dollars and sometimes you can do a three or four night cruise for like five hundred dollars for a couple
2: totally yeah there 's no doubt there 's no doubt that it 's more economical it 's just a matter of being a smart shopper yeah
1: i mean if you 're looking for that all inclusive experience too, you may want to go like step up a level to like a, a premium cruise line or an ultra premium or look at like Norwegian sky that has the open mm-hmm. bar program down in Miami on all their ships or Norwegian also has the, uh, what are they calling it, like the, you basically get a all-inclusive drink package with your fare, like a pick one or pick two type deal.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think the Norwegian's really smart to do that because it's probably increasing their bookings quite a bit. I think we have to caution people, too, though watch that cruise price because... Nothing's free, right, Doug? Yeah. I mean, you we have to be careful and I've seen their prices go up a little bit over the last few years. When we first booked that perk package with them, I think it was a total steal. We got one of those mini suites for three of us, twenty one hundred dollars, and we chose the unlimited dining package, and that's a really good deal. But this year I'm seeing them a little closer to maybe twenty-six or twenty-seven hundred uh, with the same perks. So I think that the industry is reacting a little bit to the to the popularity of that program. We've
1: been talking with Sherry from Cruise Tips TV. If you ever have any questions, feel free to email me, Doug at cruiseradio.net, and we'll get them answered by an expert like Sherry. Sherry, thank you so much for being on the show and taking the time to answer the questions today. Thank you so much, Doug.
0: You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. From its rich
1: heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay?
3: Park West makes us excited to spend money on art.
0: To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon.
3: Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience? Good now or bad. Email comments report at report cruiseradio.net. Hey, Kathy. Hey, how's it going?
1: Good. Always great to talk to you. Uh, so let's take a step back before we get to Majesty of the Seas. And what were your pre-cruise thoughts? What made you want to sail this four-night sailing?
3: Okay, well, I have a girlfriend that had never been on a cruise before. So I, having have some cruise history and experience, I thought about what would be a first good cruise for her. You know, something not long, convenient to get to, kind of just a little sampler and I you know I didn't want to drive all the way down to Fort Lauderdale or Miami so I was looking at Tampa and Port Canaveral and I was like oh there's a you know there's a four-day cruise that looks good I had never been on Majesty of the Seas yet and uh, so that's why I chose that one because I thought it was a good choice for my girlfriend's first cruise.
1: Just curious, because you just got off of an Oasis-class ship a couple of months ago. Did you have, like, big expectations for this ship, even though it's one of the smallest ships in the fleet?
3: Uh, yes, I was. I was. I was like, oh, my. Because I know, you know, Allure of the Seas has a lot of bells and whistles, and it's okay that Majesty does not. You know, I had heard that it doesn't, you know, it's just kind of like a relaxation kind of cruise, which is good, because it was kind of, I didn't want to overwhelm, my friend for her first cruise of having so many things on the ship.
1: So you make your way down the Port Canaveral. How was embarkation?
3: Oh, it was great. We had parked our car at Park and Cruise, which I highly recommend because, you know, if you're driving, if you're close enough to drive, there's a lot of good choices of where to park your car. Parking at the port is about $20 a day. So, oh, yeah. you know, even for a four day, that can add up. And it was like eight ninety five a day to park the car at Parking Cruise. We got on the shuttle, and they got our bags, and we got to the port, and as soon as we got to the port, they took our bags from us, and inside the terminal we went. With Royal Caribbean, if you belong to their Crown & Anchor Society, after one cruise, you become a gold member, and for the Crown & Anchor Society members, they have priority boarding on embarkation day, so basically... We checked in and walked straight on the ship.
1: That sounds awesome. How long would you say it took from the curb to the gangway? 15 minutes. Oh, that's very short. That's awesome.
3: We got there a little bit later. So we got there probably about 11, which I usually like to get to the port between 10 and 1030. But we basically hopped off the shuttle at 1130, and we were completely on the ship by 12 o'clock.
1: You got to love that. So uh, you make your way on board Majesty of the Seas. What were your first impressions of the ship?
3: You know, it's definitely smaller than the Oasis class, but it, it looked very great on the inside. They have the centrium there. They don't really have like a promenade like the bigger ships do, but the centriums right there. They've got music playing and you walk on and you're greeted by all the Royal Caribbean staff and they're just so friendly and you know, asking if you need any help or directions, and it was great.
1: Do you have a a tradition when you walk on the ship, like, what's the first thing you do?
3: (laughs) I find food. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) like me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I was like, okay, it's lunchtime, where are we going to go? So um, normally, you know, my thing is I try to stay away from the Windjammer on embarkation day because it can be a little jammed up, but Mm -hmm. since it was my friend's first cruise, I wanted her to really experience the true tradition of eating your first lunch in the Windjammer so that's where we went and it's very easy to get to from the Centrium So you make your way to your stateroom what were your thoughts
1: of your stateroom on the ship
3: We had a ocean view stateroom and it is an older ship So, with that being said, it is kind of cramped in there. We had the beds separated. So, that kind of actually helped out a little bit as far as moving around. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, it was still nice. It was still nice. It was just, you know, I think it's 120 square feet Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. Okay. The bathroom felt really, really small because it's an older ship. So, I kind of knew to expect that.
1: Yeah, and plus you're only, what, sleeping and showering in there anyway, so you're pretty much getting the run of the ship any other time during the cruise. So let's switch gears and talk about dining aboard Majesty of the Seas. Of course, like you said, it is an older ship, so it doesn't have a lot of the new Royal Caribbean venues. It has, like, the main dining room, um, the Sorrento's area, Johnny Rockets, and the Windjammer. What did you think of the food overall?
3: I thought it was great. I really did. We pretty much just wanted to eat in the main dining room. We did Sorrento's a couple nights, and it was really, really good. We didn't get a chance to go by Johnny Rockets just because I, I don't, you know, I wasn't in a burger and fry kind of mood. Sure. I liked the um, choices that the Windjammer offered, actually, of just the different kinds of foods they had. You know, Indian and Asian and American, and so I liked having the choice.
1: Cool. Now, uh, the main dining room, what time dining did you have?
3: I had 6 o'clock.
1: 6 o'clock, and how was that experience for you?
3: It was good. It was really good. The only thing with 6 o'clock is I like to see the sunset, and you're kind of stuck in the main dining room, unfortunately. That's my only downside, but um, I kind of like having the earlier dinner, just Mm -hmm. because you can kind of get done with your meal and, you know, get on with your evening.
1: And walk off all those calories, too.
3: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: Let's switch gears and talk about entertainment here for Majesty of the Seas. How was the entertainment for you?
3: It was good. We saw The Comedian one night, and they had a production show. We kind of missed that because we went to go see karaoke, (laughs) (laughs) which is always entertaining. But surprisingly enough, with the karaoke there's some really good singers this cruise. That's funny. <laughs> Did you sing? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I figured I'd just kind of be a watcher and, you know, just How their brave the... soul.
1: Right. How was the comedian?
3: <laughs> he was funny. Um, he kind of was an entertainer kind of comedian. And one of the nights, I don't know if he was the actual comedian, but he was doing a unicycle. <laughs> okay. He maybe was one of the performers. <laughs> okay. Interesting. But he kind of threw in a little comedian in there with a little trickery.
1: Cool. And, um, of course, one of the highlights of your entertainment was the Quest show on Majesty. So for the listeners who don't know what the Quest show is with Royal Caribbean, uh, paint that picture for us and tell us what that's all about.
3: Basically, the Quest show is an 18 and older show. It's an adult scavenger hunt. On Majesty, it was held in the Spectrum Lounge. Usually they try to pick a bigger venue with dance floor involved. So you can, you know, walk up on the dance floor. They don't usually like to do like the course line theater because there's a stage and that's too hard to navigate. So usually when they have the quest game on the Royal Caribbean ships, there's some kind of floor involved. So it, it has to be like a bigger venue. And they ask for certain items and then they ask you to do certain actions. And with it being an 18 and older show, you think about some of this stuff can be risque. So it's a lot of fun, though. It is actually a lot of fun. I actually had the opportunity for the very first time to be one of the captains. They divide the room into sections or teams and you have a male captain and you have a female captain and they ask for certain items and so the male and the female captain ask their team for those items anybody in their you know in their section give me this so i can and the, you run up to the activity director with your number in hand and whatever item they are asking for
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's I mean it's something that we could talk about it, but unless you're actually playing it, you have to be there because uh, we were talking before we started recording. there's pictures of me doing the quest game that I basically could never run for president because of these photos. Well, (laughs) among other things, but I mean, that's one of the reasons why I couldn't run for president. But uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy game, so awesome, and uh, I wish you could have periscoped it. Uh, Speaking of periscope, uh, you were doing a lot of live streaming from the ship. Uh, How was the internet aboard Majesty of the Seas?
3: It was good, but then it wasn't good. I got the surf and stream package with Zoom. There's two levels mm-hmm. of the Zoom package. You basically have the lower package. It was just the surf. You can get on the internet. You can get on Facebook, check your mail. You can do all that with the surf. But in order to live stream video and actually watch videos, you have to have the surf and stream, which is the higher package. I think it was like $17 a day Mm -hmm. for the surf and stream. And that's obviously the one I had purchased because I do periscope from the ships. I like to periscope the activities and show my fellow cruisers, you know, the ship and the activities. You can kind of see what the ship is like in live streaming video. And there was a few times where I had to, try to connect and it would say poor signal i couldn't stream so i had to kind of walk around until the signal got stronger there was opportunities where i wanted to watch other people's periscope and i was not able to at all unfortunately i was i was able to periscope but i i also wanted to watch some of the other people's periscopes and i could not that's funny so you
1: you want to watch other people's crews from your cruise? that's awesome <laughs>
3: Yes, because <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> there was there was somebody on Oasis of the Seas while I was on Majesty, uh-huh. and we were kind of, you know, having dueling scopes. He would scope, and then I would scope, and we'd watch each other scope. <laughs> that's,
1: that's so funny. Um, let's talk about the ports of call. So you did Nassau, Bahamas, and Coco Cay on this four-night sailing, and you had one sea day. So how was the ship at sea when you had all those people on board going from one destination Ooh, oh, to boy. another?
3: It was definitely way crowded because Mm -hmm. the one thing on the Oasis class is, yes, it has 6,000 people, but the ship is so big that on sea days, there's so many choices and pools and it doesn't feel crowded. On Majesty, there's only one pool. So on a sea day, I didn't even get into the pool. Oh, wow. (laughs) I am sad to report (laughs) <laughs> um, I was at the pool for the belly flop contest, but it was so crowded that I just
1: skipped the pool this cruise. How was the dining areas uh, during the sea days?
3: The dining areas were actually good. Just the Windjammer was obviously a lot more crowded. But if you chose it at the right time, not at the mad rush, you know, which is like twelve o'clock, eleven, twelve o'clock for lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, If you kind of went at like maybe two or three, it was a little bit better.
1: Okay, not bad. So uh, your two ports you hit on this sailing, Coco Cay and Nassau, which one was your favorite?
3: I actually have to say the Coco Cay because it was kind of like our beach day. Mm -hmm. I had actually rented a lounger, and um, the loungers on Coco Cay, when I booked them online, they were $59. And what you're supposed to get with the lounger is, a cooler with water in it, and some fruit and some towels. Unfortunately, (laughs) I got out to my lounger, and they said that Royal Caribbean had changed their policy with the loungers and taken all the amenities away. Hmm. And just for the lounger, it was $45. And they did have a piece of paper that was attached to my excursion paperwork, but I did not notice it until I got out to the excursion. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and it was my friend's first cruise, so I just kind of went with the flow. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just kind of hang out here for a little bit. One of the neat things about the loungers, though, at Coco Cay, is they have this new floating bar out there. Mm-hmm. It's brand new. It's about two months old. It's kind of cool. You You can actually walk out to it. That is located right in front of the loungers. So that was really neat go out there and hang out at the floating bar out in the middle of the ocean there in Coco Cay.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Now, anything else did you do or did you just pretty much, like you said, treat it as a beach day and just kind of chill out in the water and lounge around?
3: Yeah, it was just a beach day. We just, cool. we figured we'd do a beach day. We got into the water and just, you know, um, it was hot. We probably went back about one thirty or 2. How long do they stay there for? They were there from 8 and all on board was 4.30.
1: That's a pretty nice day then.
3: Yeah, it was a good day.
1: Yeah, for sure. Not bad at all. So you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation for you?
3: Disembarkation was very good. We had our luggage tags were ticket number 12, and they call you according to number. We got up. It was probably about 7 a.m., went and ate breakfast in the main dining room because my friend liked to eat breakfast. We had breakfast one morning in the Windjammer. And, you know, it was very crazy, but then I showed her. I'm like, well, this is the other dining experience. You can eat breakfast in the main dining room. And she's like, oh, yes, this is much more my speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we had breakfast in the main dining room and um, kind of strolled around up on deck about 830. And 9 o'clock was our disembarkation time. One of my major tips about disembarkation and Royal Caribbean is use a porter because they have the zigzaggy line at port canaveral and you're in that line forever but if you use a porter they take your bags and you go to this very short little line and you're out the door that's something Um, i was maybe yeah from the time we got off the ship to getting to the curb where our shuttle was it was probably like maybe 15 20 minutes Oh, you can't be that. Which was that. not bad at all. Yeah. No, it was wonderful. I, I highly recommend, you know, being females, we like to bring a lot of clothes and shoes, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a large suitcase, a smaller suitcase, and a garment bag. And my friend had a larger suitcase and a smaller suitcase. So between the two of us, we had five suitcases. And so, you know, trying to lug all of that out to the curb is not an easy task. So... I made sure to save money. It was like we tipped basically like a dollar a bag. Okay. I mean, some people tip more, so, you know, but I think, you know, you have to at least give a dollar a bag.
1: Yeah. Yeah. totally. I think
3: we gave a couple dollars more because our bags were kind of heavy. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was being fair with my tip with a porter. I always use a porter because I don't want to stand in that zigzaggy line trying to drag five bags. You know, it's just, I don't do it.
1: I, I love the fact that you're just fresh off the boat. You just got off the ship today, and you're already booked again for February. It's awesome.
3: I, I know. I know. It's that's the true life of a, a cruising addict is if you're not on a cruise, you're thinking about a cruise. And if you're thinking about a cruise, you're booking a cruise. And- mhm. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. We've been talking with Kathy. She just returned from a four night Bahamas cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's majesty of the seas. Kathy, thanks so much for sharing your review and being on with me this evening.
3: Thank you so much for having
1: me. A big question we get at cruise radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance?